Church, it is so good to be with you and to bring another word of daily hope. Today we are diving into 2 Kings chapter 19. And I think this, this text, this story, offers us a powerful question, a life-changing question. It's an invitation to some self-examination here. So the question is this, what do you do? What is your automatic conditioned response in the face of adversity, in the face of hardship, or in the face of what feels like overwhelming odds stacked against you? Well, that's what Hezekiah the king is up against here in chapter 19. Now, just a quick bit of context. We've seen throughout 2 Kings this ping pong match back and forth, back and forth between good kings and bad kings who are ruling both Israel and Judah because there's a divided kingdom at this point. And we're seeing example after example of the bad kings who perpetuate a system of idolatry in, in Israel, who constantly are aligning themselves with outside forces to seek personal gain. And we see that contrasted with good kings. Interestingly, they're, they're often young men um, who are connected powerfully to a mother figure, which, I mean, just honor you ladies and you moms out there, incredible influence that you have to exercise over the faith and the character of your sons and daughters. Thank you, mom, for being incredible. That's not the point here. The point is that we have arrived at a breakthrough moment in the narrative here because even the good kings never did one thing. They never removed the altars and the high places of Israel. They would throw down the temples of Baal and tear down the asterisk poles and they would try and write the land again, but they never would remove that last, that last piece of idolatry from the land of Israel. And this is important because Hezekiah becomes king and he finally does that. And it feels, it feels so good that somebody finally does this thing because if you're like me, when I was reading 2 Kings, I'm like, come on guys, just, just tear down the high places. So it finally happens and it is good, right? Um, it opens the door for a renewal of culture and of faith and faithfulness in Israel. But then Hezekiah immediately runs into some massive challenges, which is that King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, he successfully takes over um, Israel and takes people to exile. And he's at, at the door of the kingdom of Judah. And he's just sent this huge message trying to steal the hearts and minds of the people away from Hezekiah and away from following God, saying, don't trust him when he says that the Lord will deliver you. Like, look at me and my empire and my army. We are coming for you and we will win. Talk about dramatic adversity. Now, thankfully, I don't have any warring kings coming with massive armies trying to steal my tiny home here in Oceanside and to plunder and pillage. For that, I'm grateful. But there are constantly forces in my life that I am running up against where I immediately am tempted to feel a sense of inadequacy, to feel stress or anxiety, to feel like I need to do what? Respond in what way? Well, I typically, and most of us, um, we typically try and respond by either blame, shame, control, or escape. One of those kind of four main um, actions. I've... I do all of them sometimes. Um, I'm not proud of it. But God has got me on this journey of spiritual growth and transformation. And Hezekiah offers a powerful counterexample 
rather than trying to blame, shame, control, or escape, um, he does what? He tears his garment. He puts on sackcloth and ashes, which is a, a sign and a posture of deep mourning and grief. What a powerful example. Man, can you think of leaders who've done that? No, in American culture, that's not so often how leaders... Uh, both in and outside of the church so often respond, usually we want leaders to give us answers. It'd probably be really destabilizing if actually we saw leaders respond by saying, ah, I'm inadequate to this, like Hezekiah does. So he tears his garments. He immediately goes to the temple of the Lord to worship. He, does, he sends his administrative team to go seek out the prophet Isaiah and to ask for God's wisdom. And you can read the rest of the chapter and you can find out how God powerfully responds, speaks through Isaiah and powerfully shows up and responds to this crisis. And I think it's in part because Hezekiah invited God to move powerfully. He, he adopted a, a posture of humility. He didn't try to blame somebody else for the problem, you know, retreat in shame because he wasn't a perfect king. Um, to try and escape or to try and control people. Or, you know, he responded by inviting God to speak to him, to give him wisdom, and to come move and act powerfully on his behalf. And, you know, in 2 Corinthians, we have this verse in chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. Paul says to us, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So church, I hope today you can receive this good news that in our weakness, we can open ourselves to allow the power of God to work mightily in our lives. We have countless examples like Hezekiah of how God will be faithful even in moments of deep crisis. So take heart, lean in, kneel, offer God worship, and watch your life be changed. Be well, church.